Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I have a problem, uh, and I need some help. It's a math problem. Um, here's, 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 my, here's my problem. Uh, I'm trying to figure out, this is Holy Week, and so we have a, a lot of worship services this week. Uh, Pastor Kevin talked about Monday, Thursday, and two services on Good Friday, and three services on Easter, and, uh, and, and there's just a lot of things that I have to get ready for, and I'm trying to figure out how long it's going to take me to get ready. So I have this math problem, and I need, I need some math whizzes to help me with it, but I think that we have some in the front row up here. Uh, Jack, Colin, Cade, Miles, uh, Adam. Uh, so I'm going to put the problem on the board, and I need you guys, you thought, we're not going to quiz you too much except for this. All right, so here's the deal. Please help me. I have to get a lot of services planned this week. Uh, it takes me about five hours to prepare everything, including my sermons, for two services. Uh, so I need to prepare for five services this week, and I need to know how many minutes it's going to take me to get all those services planned. So go ahead, talk amongst yourselves. I'm waiting. I have no, I really didn't even try to figure it out. Guys, we're on the clock here. Come on. Do you want to phone a friend? Who do you want to phone? You don't actually have to call him. Who do you want to ask? Huh? You want to use a calculator? All right, go ahead. I'll wait. Does anybody know the answer? I honestly don't know what the answer is. Raise your hand if you know. All right. Cause, all right. What is it? 700 how many? 750? Is that right? Woo! All right. Thank you. 750. How many hours is that? 12 and a half hours. Oh, man. I got my work cut out for me this week. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I had a problem, and they needed help, so I went to people who I knew could help me. Thanks, guys. That's the way it works, right? If you have a math problem, you go to people who know something about math. If you've got a plumbing problem, you ask for help from somebody who knows something about plumbing. What, whatever your problem is, you go to somebody who you trust has the solution to that problem. Help me. And then it's interesting what we do with that word help, because when we ask for help, that's our cry. But then if you're a person who offers the help, you become my help. You might say, you might like the word helper better, but you can say, you are my help. You are my help in my problem. You are my help in my time of trouble. So help is at one time a cry, a cry, but it's also a shout of thanks and admir admiration saying, you are the one who can offer me help. We have a similar word today in the Bible, and it is the word Hosanna. I'm going to make you do it one time. Go ahead. Hosanna. All right. Cool. Thank you. You can put those down. You don't have to do it every time because I'm going to say it a bunch. All right. Hosanna. Today is Palm Sunday. And here on Palm Sunday is the day that Jesus enters into Jerusalem for the very last week of his life. Jesus and his disciples are heading to Jerusalem for a big party, a big festival that happens every year called the Passover. 
tons and tons of people would come to Jerusalem for this festival. <clears throat> and Jesus and his disciples, they've done this before. But on this year, on this day, on this moment, things are a little bit different. The disciples don't really know it, but Jesus does. But Jesus says to his disciples, hey, I want you to go ahead of me into Jerusalem. They're about two miles away. Okay, so Bethphage is this little suburb of Jerusalem. He says, I want you to go into Jerusalem, get me this donkey that's never been ridden, and bring it back to me. And if anybody gives you trouble or says what's up, just say, hey, the master says he needs it. And everything worked out exactly like Jesus said, and so the disciples bring back this donkey. Jesus gets on the donkey and begins to ride it into town. At this point, it's not only Jesus' 12 disciples who are around, but there are lots of people. Actually, many people who even just saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, which was a huge deal, they're there because they're like, holy smokes. Jesus gets on this donkey and he, he starts heading off towards Jerusalem, down into the Kidron Valley and up towards Jerusalem. Again, two miles. And as they're going, people begin to line the streets. They take off their cloaks and lay them on the ground. This is what you do for kings, by the way. This is how you welcome kings into town after battles. Lay your cloaks down and some cut palm branches and some laid them on the ground, some waved them in the air. This is again what you do for a king who comes home victorious from battle. When you're welcoming them into town, this is what you do for a king. You see what's happening? They're treating Jesus like the king, but on this day they also say a word and it's the word that you've heard many times already. It is the word Hosanna. Hosanna. And Hosanna is a word which means save us now. Repeat after me. Save us now. Or say it with me. Save us now. Save us now. Hosanna. And Hosanna is kind of like the word help, again, which can be the cry for help, but also the name or the noun for the person who helped you. Hosanna is at once a cry for salvation. I need salvation right now. But it is also at the same time a shout of thanks and praise to the only one who can give true salvation, which is Jesus. So Hosanna is, save us now, Jesus. And Jesus, you are the only one who can give us salvation. Thank you for saving us. That's what Hosanna means. My prayer for all of you today is that as you leave this place, Hosanna would be on your mind and on your lips. That you would be constantly people who cry out to Jesus for your salvation and cry out to Jesus in thanks for saving you. And that's my encouragement because I think a lot of people, including us, we cry out for salvation often, but we're not crying out to Jesus. And we're really not crying out even for our greatest needs of deliverance. We cry out to worldly people, worldly solutions for worldly problems because that's what our mind is wrapped around. We cry out, save us, often from monetary problems. And if you've got a monetary problem, many people cry out for salvation. Save us now. Feds. 
send me money, print me more money, please. <laughs> Many people cry out for salvation from their medical problems, and they quick go on WebMD before visiting the real doctor, and they search and they say, save me now, WebMD, I hope I don't have something fatal. And then WebMD says, yeah, you're going to die from your broken toe. We cry out, save us now from this stress-filled situation I have. So we log onto social media and we ask all of our friends to submit ways that we could help ourselves out through this stressful situation. And then some random person comes into the comment feed and starts a debate about politics. Save us now. Where do we cry for salvation? Often we are turning to all of the wrong places for all the wrong issues. What about you? What Savior do you cry to most often? Is it Jesus or something else? What problem are you crying out that you need deliverance from most often? Is it from one of these things I've mentioned, one of these worldly issues, or is it for your greatest need? Salvation and deliverance from sin, death, and the devil. Those people who lined the streets on that day, they shouted their hosannas directly at Jesus. Jesus, we need salvation now, and you are the one who can save us. That was their cry, and they believed that Jesus was their salvation, yet they did not fully understand what Jesus was up to. A lot of those Jewish people at this time, they thought that Jesus was their new king. Their new king, uh, a king who would be king over Israel. Like the kings of the past who ruined Israel, they thought finally that this king, Jesus, would be the king who would get it right who would drive out the Roman oppressors who had their empire kind of, you know, over, had oversight over Israel. They, they thought he would drive them out. He thought they would get the, the worship life of the people restored to a good way. He thought he would give the land back to the, to the people of Israel. This is what they wanted from their king. Save us. That's what they were crying. Save us. However, Jesus had something so much greater planned for them. Not just deliverance from their earthly problems and their earthly enemies, but from sin and death and the devil himself. This is what Jesus is planning on saving them from. Hosanna. Hosanna. This is what the people cried as Jesus rode for those two miles into Jerusalem. When Jesus got to Jerusalem, what did Matthew chapter 21 tell us? What did he do first? In Matthew's gospel, it says that Jesus rode that donkey into Jerusalem and he went straight to the temple. And when he got to the temple, Jesus saw that people had turned the temple, a place that's supposed to be dedicated to worship and praise of the Almighty God, into a business center. Now, again, the Passover feast was this gathering where tons and tons of Jewish people are coming into town from different regions, different countries, different languages. So they've got different kinds of money, and they're coming to the temple to purchase animals, which would be used to celebrate the Passover. 
And they're also coming to the temple to purchase animals, which can be offered as sacrifices and offerings at the temple. And they're trying to change their currency from the place that they came from into the temple currency so they can offer financial offerings. All these things, these transactions needed to happen, but it's happening right in the middle of the temple. And Jesus sees this and he says, what have you done? You've turned my father's house from, from a house of prayer into a den of robbers. What are you doing? He's so mad, so frustrated. He overturns their tables and he drives them out. Cleanses the temple, you could say. And once the temple is cleansed, it's interesting what happens next. The blind people and the lame, those who can't walk, are brought to Jesus to be cleansed, to be healed. And blind people are healed. They're given their sight there. Lame people who can't walk are allowed to walk. And then there are these echoes bouncing off of the temple courtyard walls. Hosanna! 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 Jumping up and down, jumping up and down, jumping up and down, shout Hosanna! Children are crying out in the temple, Hosanna, Jesus! Hosanna to the Son of David! Hosanna! You are our Savior, Jesus! You are. Now, here's the situation. All of these societal outcasts, the blind and the lame are coming to Jesus and being healed. And the children who are actually seen as sort of societal outcasts, they're not thought very highly of in this society. They're crying out to Jesus. And the religious leaders are indignant. (laughs) That's a good biblical word. Indignant. You know what that means? It means they're, I don't know how to say it nicely, uh, peeved, you could say, uh, frustrated, disgruntled, resentful. They're not happy with Jesus. They are indignant. What is the deal here? I want to pause on this moment and reflect on the fact that children are crying out, Hosanna. Children are crying out, Hosanna, save us, Jesus. Children are crying out, Jesus, save us. Jesus, you are our salvation. Today, here, we have five young men sitting before us. You guys aren't quite little children anymore. You're not quite little children anymore. Uh, You're growing up, and I'm proud of you. I've known a lot of you for quite a long time, some of you since you were little children. But here we are today, and you can even do math, which is cool, but you're, you're growing up. I'm impressed by you, young men. I'm impressed by the way that you trust in Jesus, and I'm impressed by the fact that you are here today, and you're going to stand before this congregation and simply say, yeah, I'm a Christian, and I know Jesus, and I'm going to follow Jesus for my life, no matter what it costs me Even if it costs me death, I will not turn away from Jesus. That's a bold statement, guys. I'm proud of you for being here. This is what our confirmation means. But this is not the first time that you young men have cried out, Hosanna. It's not the first time that you've said praises or prayed to God. You guys have been coming to church for a long time. I've spent time with you. You guys used to come up to the box 
up here. Now you're, now you're a little too cool, but, you know, you used to come up to the box. I used to teach you guys in Sunday school and spend time with you in confirmation and just in conversations or at your houses, right? I know that this is not the first time that you've said, I love you, Jesus. I confess my faith in you. You know what, guys? It's good for these grown-ups to see you today. It's good for these grown-ups to see you say, I believe in Jesus. Want to know why? Because grown-ups mess it up a lot. Remember it was Jesus who said, let the little children come to me, for my kingdom belongs to such as these. Us grown-ups, we complicate things. We complicate things. But you guys are at a time of your life uh, where your life is starting to get a little bit more complicated. Maybe your relationships are getting a little weirder. (laughs) Your studies may be getting harder. Sometimes your relationship with your parents might feel a little bit strained. Or maybe you're even asking bigger questions about faith, like, why does God love me? Does he really exist? Is he everything he says he is? And perhaps you look at your younger childhood years, maybe you see these little preschoolers up here jumping up and down without any shame in their hearts or minds, and you say, man, that was a simpler time. (laughs) Kind of wish I could go back to being a little kid again. See, the more complicated life gets, the simpler and more important the cry Hosanna becomes. Because the more complicated life gets, the more problems we have, the more solutions the world says, here you go, the more we simply need to look at Jesus and say, Hosanna, save me, Jesus. I need salvation from all of my problems, earthly and eternal, and you, Jesus, are the only one who can give it to me. Confirmation students, again, I'm proud of you guys, and I want to encourage you. Do not let anyone ever tell you that that Jesus doesn't hear your cries for help. He does. He will. He will over and over again hear your cries for help, hear your cries for salvation, and he will say, yes, my children, here you go. Here you go. Here is salvation. Hosanna. Hosanna, let this be your cry for salvation to Jesus who is the only one who can save you and who is your salvation. The story doesn't end here, though. For all of you, the story doesn't end here. The story goes on. We're just beginning this last week of Jesus' life. And in the Bible, the gospel writers dedicate the most real estate in their written word to this last week of Jesus' life. This is the thing on which everything hinges in our faith. I would encourage you, if you've never participated in all of the Holy Week services, this is the year to do it. Please, I would encourage you, come here on Thursday, come here on Friday, come here on Sunday, spend time in God's word this week, let him speak to you, journey with him, see the lengths that he has gone to purchase and win you back. He is your salvation. He is Hosanna now and forever in his name. Amen.